Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yo, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Shuffle Pod. I am joined here once again by my co-host, Lindsay What's up, How's it going? We are back with another episode here, of course, of the Shuffle Pod. And uh, we have some interesting things to talk about today. Uh, We know that Gabriel Smart, who's actually on the Shuffle Squad, actually won the most recent late night tournament with Mew VMAX of all decks, which is kind of crazy. And also wanted to talk a little bit about the Tournament of Champions that we hosted earlier last week and kind of talking about some of the decks that did well. And uh, we even have a uh, new segment we wanted to add and also wanted to kind of discuss a little bit about World Championships and then also um, all the different engines we have in the standard format, including, you know, the Intellion engine, the Bibarel engine, turbo engines, control engines, just a lot of different engines in the TCG we kind of wanted to talk about and kind of break down and kind of discuss like the negatives and the positives to both of them and kind of seeing which one is good. Right, yeah, that's definitely something that as a newer player like me, it's that's something that I kind of wish was around a little bit more. I didn't realize that there were like different, and it's, I'm somebody who hasn't played any other type of card game either. So I didn't know that there were all these different types of like styles and how to play decks. Like I know they have all the different, the ones for magic, like the commander, you know, that's the only one I know of. But so I, th- I thought it would be kind of cool to talk about that kind of stuff and kind of break it down a little bit. What does it mean to, to have a turbo deck, a turbo style or you know, with the Intellion engine rotating in December, or in, uh, I guess not December 2023, we're going to kind of have to start getting more uh, <laughs> more original, or I guess more ideas with some of these engines, since we can't just, you know, search for any card we want after yeah, that, is- those shady dealings rotates. <laughs> Yep, this is actually, like, one of the more interesting formats we've had with a bunch of engines. We've been kind of used to, like, just having, like, big basic Pokemon, like, Shaman or Dedenne GX, where it was just kind of, like, bench a, you know, bench a, like, a heavy hitter, you know, two-prize Pokemon that drew you cards. But now that we have, like, four or five different, like, ways to, like, draw cards and have all these different engines right now that decks are using, it's made the format a lot more diverse than it really has ever been, in my opinion. Right, and like uh, I know, Dedenne is kind of kind of similar to Crobat. It's what discard and draw seven, more like a yeah. Research? It was discard your hand, draw six. Yep. Or draw six. Yeah. So instant yeah. stuff like Crobat and Luminion, we're we're using these two prize cards to get us, you know, things that we need. Whether it's you know adding more cards to our hand or getting a supporter, whatever it is, it's. I feel like they're not being used as much now because of just the liability of it. Like like they really are kind of a huge target. Exactly. Like, Crobat and Luminion are so popular, but we definitely 
do have all these other different engines in the format and it's it has made deck building a lot more diverse and unique like when i sit down to make a deck nowadays like i'm always looking through like what draw engine should i play so it's made it really fascinating so i'm actually kind of excited to kind of talk about that and kind of discuss the process of some of these engines uh before you get into that though um i guess we should do a bit of a recap of our weeks here so uh, do you want to start us off lindsay with how your week went sure yeah it you know actually it's it has been a crazy week for me Ugh. It's been one of those weeks where ugh, work has just been absolutely insane. Usually, ever since I got out of the hospital and started working outpatient, my job hasn't been that crazy. Uh, we have our crazy days here and now, but just w with the environment of the outpatient uh, style of nursing, you know, hasn't really been that crazy lately. But man, this week, this week kind of kicked my butt, kind of kicked my butt. So... Definitely one of those weeks for me. It's been real busy, just kind of doing work stuff. Haven't really gotten to do much Pokemon, which is, you know, kind of a bummer. But, you know, we're here. I I did make new emotes for my Twitch, which was fun. I mm -hmm. made them myself, and they're, I'm really proud of them. They look super cute. I'm excited to have those uh, for chat. Uh, what else this week, really? I mean, that's really about it for me. Yeah, I had a, uh, I had a pretty, pretty busy week also, so... Um, this weekend, I went to two different local leagues in the GTA in the Toronto area. The first one was my uh, local, local league, Manta Trading, and I ended up getting second place at the uh, $10 tournament. I played Arceus Gyarados, and uh, unfortunately, mm. I ended up losing. The deck's pretty good, and I ended up losing in the finals because I was against Ice Rider Palkia, so it should be a good matchup. I think I played against two Ice Rider Palkia decks in the tournament to get to that point. And unfortunately, my start was a B-Doof, and I had a dead hand, and I didn't draw anything, and I, did, I just lost because I just kind of had a bad start. Um, and I, but I could have won the tournament. However, I did redeem myself because on Sunday, me and a few of my buddies that I know from online, of course, Get Wrecked, my friend Rickster and Pokey Drummer, all went out to meet up in a place up in Mississauga in Canada by Toronto. And uh, it was my first time actually going to this league. It was called The Upper Hand. It was my first time being there. And um, it's a small little place, but it was my first time there. And the, the owner's, like, really friendly and really cool. And um, I was going to play Arceus Gyarados again. And then last minute, I made a last-minute decision to instead play the Arceus Decidueye Tapu Koko deck that we saw in the Tournament of Champions. Because I wanted to give it a try. And I also knew that a lot of my friends were playing Flying Pikachu Arceus, which is a very favorable matchup. So I kind of... I kind of snaked him there, and I ended up winning that tournament too. I went five and zero. I played against Mew, Palkia, two Flying Pikachu decks, and the Arceus Mewtwo V Union deck, and I beat them all to win the event. So it was kind of cool. Just pull up, win the tournament. Wow! And I'm like, right, cool. yeah, LDF rolls up like skirt. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> gonna, gonna take it all. Gonna take it all home. <laughs> yep. But that's not the only thing I did this weekend, or this week. Actually, the biggest thing this weekend that happened to me is that I actually got a tattoo. <gasps> as you can see, I got a what? tattoo here of little, my... Little uh, tatted fury. Little tatted fury, exactly. Yeah, I got a tattoo of uh, my dog, Misty, who passed away in 2020. And uh, I've always wanted this tattoo of, like, kind of a dog paw with her name underneath. And it ended up coming out pretty perfect and uh, everything like that. So I finally got myself a tattoo now, which is kind of exciting. So we'll welcome to, to the addiction club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I heard when I was getting the tattoo that it's like, you might get addicted to wanting to get these. I'm like, yeah, I can already see myself wanting to get another one. There's a few more that I have in mind, um, but I'm definitely happy with how this one turned out. So uh, that's pretty exciting. But uh, that was yeah, now we, how my week now we, um Actually, it's on my other arm. We both now have paw prints. Woohoo! Oh my God. Woo! Paw print buddies. 
But uh, yeah, that's how my week went. The Shuffle Squad is sponsored by Pokex Word, which is the best place for Pokemon-inspired puzzles. So our sponsor, Pokex Word, has a new segment coming out called Guess That Pokemon, and it is pretty self-explanatory. So we're going to be doing those segments on the podcast here, and so we will be guessing that Pokemon. Well, I say we. I will be guessing that Pokemon this week. So LDF's got all the info, and I hope I don't embarrass myself here. <laughs> <laughs> all right, yeah, let's start things off here. So the Pokemon that I have here starts with seven letters, a seven-letter Pokemon. Pikachu? Nope, but you are on to something. The first hint I can give you here is that it is actually in the first generation of Pokemon. Okay, first generation. Um, six, seven letters? Seven letters. Um, seven letters, correct. It's hard guessing with just the, just the mm. letters. Um, yeah. I'm gonna need, I'm gonna need the next hint. Okay, the next hint. It is a normal type Pokemon. <gasps> is it Chansey? Nope. All right, hint number three. Oh it gosh. searches it searches for food all day. It gnaws on hard objects to wear down its fangs, which grows constantly during its lifetime. That's its description. Why is this like so obvious and I'm just like not? Yeah. <laughs> You're I wait until you see what the Pokemon is. You're gonna be normal, like, oh, no. normal, normal type with fangs. Mm -hmm. Normal type with fangs? Oh my gosh. Yep. Normal type with fangs. Like that you're it almost sounds like you're describing Bieberol. It's yeah, it's kind of like it. Yeah, it's got fangs. It uh, fangs. Yeah, it's, uh, it's got fangs. It's got fangs. And fangs. it's a normal type. Normal type with fangs. Why am I like absolutely blinking? Wait. Oh, oh my gosh. Normal type with fangs. I'm trying to view all the I'm like thinking of Pokemon Stadium battle, like trying to view all the normal type. Pokemon. Yeah. Normal type Pokemon with fangs. I'm going to be I'm going to be like, well, duh. Normal type <laughs> Pokemon with fangs. We know it's not Jigglypuff. Jigglypuff doesn't have fangs. Um, nope. So it's not. Gosh, is it? No, I think that's more than seven letters. Kangas. Uh, yeah, Kangaskhan isn't. Kangaskhan no. is is more than seven letters, so it's not that. Um, normal type with like growing with fangs. fangs. Oh, is yep. it Raticate? Nope. But for your fourth hint here, uh, it's purple and tan. So, what is it, Rattata? Yeah, it was Rattata. I was yep. close. You... Raticate, <laughs> I guess the, the Evo. Mm -hmm. Oh my there gosh, as, as, as soon as I, I'm, I'm like trying to imagine the teeth, and then mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, the, the, the you know, Ra little yep. hamster teeth. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, there yeah. There you go, there you go. <laughs> I thought that, that knowing like the letters the was, was gonna be like easier like i thought i thought mm -hmm. them i thought us knowing how many letters was going to make it like easy but like it really doesn't yeah. that much <laughs> i know yeah even even when you narrow it down more to like the generation and the type it still can be kind of tough oh my gosh yep. we're excited for pokex <laughs> word to release that so that'll be fun mm -hmm. something to look forward to each podcast yeah definitely a pretty interesting challenge that makes us kind of make it makes us kind of like know our pokemon you know know our pokemon skills pretty well i would say test our right. knowledge of the pokemon you know so like the end of the episode though who's that pokemon this puzzle was brought to you by pokex word the best place to get your fill of pokemon inspired puzzles new puzzles are posted every sunday and they also host ptcgo code giveaways on their channel every month so be sure to check them out on Twitter at at PokaXWord or at www.pokaxword.com. We can talk a little bit about how the Shuffle Squad decided to get, you know, 
scored that first and second place at the late night uh, the finals match with the same deck, the same Mew VMAX deck, which we haven't really been seeing that much of Mew lately. So I do think that it was a really great meta call. And I, I personally think it's going to be a really good meta call for Worlds. So there really isn't a good dark deck out right now. Yeah, we saw that Gabriel Smart and Calvin Connor, who are both on the Shuffle Squad, uh, both got first and second, and uh, which is awesome. And it, of course, was with Mew VMAX. And uh, interesting enough, this Mew VMAX list is kind of just like the Mew VMAX list we've seen before. It's got the Silene, they got the three stadiums, it's got the catchers in the deck, the Rodom phones, three double turbos, four fusion energy, and actually... It's also got the Pump Kaboo in the deck, too, as a kind of counter to Roxanne. Because that is, I feel like, one of the big things that held Mew back was, while Dark-type Pokemon were slowly starting to trickle in popularity, it was also the fact that Roxanne and Path of the Peak were very big deals for Mew VMAX. But as you can see, Gabriel and Calvin both were able to go first and second in this 300-plus player tournament um, last night with the Mew VMAX deck and proving that Mew VMAX is still really good, even in a meta full of, like, Roxanne Path. I know Arcantelion and Palkia are very big decks to do that, but I think Mew is pretty good right now as Dark is not very popular, and Mew is sometimes just so fast, so aggressive, that it can just win games pretty easily. Yeah, it's still good. Mew VMAX is still very, very good. I do like the Silene. They can get away with having the three double turbo energies rather than the list that I know Natalie Miller played back in the beginning of the this kind of season where um, the four double turbos and I feel, still feel like it can be a really good deck even against Duraludon. Like I feel like Duraludon's really not that much of an issue for it even without having the psychic energies. Yeah, I agree. I think Mew is just just really fast and really powerful. Just being able to like get a turn one knockout on like an Arceus or a Palkia with like Meloetta is really, really good. And sometimes just getting that like easy two prize lead is more than enough for Mew VMAX to win a game. So right. going into the we world can always meta. Silene. Yeah. Silene back those energies. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I think going to the world's meta, Mew VMAX is going to be a pretty good pick, and it might be a deck that you probably have to respect a lot more now for Worlds Day 1. Right. So what type of decks do you want to see do well at Worlds? I mean, I think for sure the decks to beat are going to be Palkia and Arceus. I don't think anybody's going to argue that. But I do think decks like Mew VMAX, maybe even something like Stonejourner, can kind of creep into the meta. And also even something like the single prize decks. I know there's like the Charizard and Talion deck that's like people are trying out. Charizard's also seen a bit of play in Arceus and Talion decks. So there's quite a few mm -hmm. decks to actually kind of look out for. And I think as long as your deck has a favorable matchup versus Palkia and Arceus, I think you're good to go. I think we're going to see a lot more Ice Riders come out too. Uh, Ice Riders yeah. still has just been super strong. It's In my opinion, it's the it's maybe other than Mew, it's it's the best VMAX by far, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I think Ice Rider is probably the next best VMAX in the format right now. One of the only VMAXs that really sees play. And uh, I know Ice Rider has been catching a lot of play recently and has kind of like resurged in popularity. So Ice Rider is definitely like another deck you definitely want to look out for. A deck that I want to see do really well at Worlds, I just want to see do really well in general, is Dialga. I love Dialga. I think that deck is so much fun. It yeah. really is so much fun to play, and I, I really, I really want to see it do well at Worlds. Ooh, fingers crossed. <laughs> I think Dialga will do well at Worlds. I, I don't know if it'll win Worlds, but I think that Dialga is like the deck that when it runs hot, it goes, it, it goes off. Steaming. When you get like those turn two Star Chronos knockouts, getting like 
four prizes just like that. A lot of the time, you just win the game. So yeah. I think Dialga has a lot of potential to go off, and I think someone is going to have a really hot run in it at Worlds. Yes, it's... Uh... I do love that deck. I, I really do hope that somebody does have a super hot run with it and catch everybody off guard with the star yeah. chronos. I'm sure we'll maybe even see a Dialga deck on stream even. It'll, it'll do that well, I think. Another deck that I think that will do pretty well at Worlds and something that we also saw in the Tournament of Champions is going to be the Arceus Tapu Koko Hisuian Decidueye deck. Because that deck kind of has an answer to mo the, the general majority of the meta right now with the Tapu Koko hitting the weakness on Palkia and that how we saw in the Tournament of Champions with Travis being able to paralyze the, um, the opponents was just really, really strong, especially without any switch outs. And, you know, the, the Hisuian Decidueyes hitting against weakness with Arceus. And I really don't know if there's that much Blissey running around anymore, but... Especially yeah, with the, the V also being able to hit through um, the mill tank and have the shred attack. I, I, I really do feel like it kind of has a general answer for most things. Plus, Arceus is just a, a good attacker also. Yeah, I can say from experience that the deck is pretty good. I did win at my league with it. And um, the deck is pretty good against a lot of the top decks. I think it has a good Palkia matchup, mainly because Tabacoco VMAX can obviously hit Palkia for weakness. And I played the deck on stream a bit too, and I actually played against a Duraludon VMAX deck, and I kind of figured out how to play that matchup since you can knock out the Arceus with the Decidueye. And actually, if you purposely fall behind in prizes against Duraludon, you can actually you use Tabacoco. Yep, you can use Tabacoco against Duraludon, and they don't have that many switching cards, so you can just sit there and paralyze them over and over again, and they can't do anything about it. Um, so I think it's a pretty fantastic deck in the meta right now. In fact, Tabu Coco VMAX maybe with Arceus is maybe the better way to play. In fact, Gabe Shumway got ninth place in the late night tourney to the same one that Calvin and Gabe did well in. He was playing a more straightforward Arceus Tabu Coco deck where he was just playing a 3-3 Tabu Coco line alongside the Arceus. His build kind of had like stuff like Charon's Care in it, two Palpats, kind of kind of modeled it a little bit off of the Crobat Flying Pikachu deck with some of the supporter accounts, but kind of the similar concept where it's like Tapu Koko, sometimes maybe just paralyzing your opponent is just really good right now. Yeah, forcing them to have that switch out since you can't retreat with the paralysis is pretty, pretty big. And for those who don't know about the, the Tapu Koko VMAX's attack, if, if your opponent has more prize cards than you, Tapu Koko's attack also paralyzes the active. So... I mean, it can be pretty, pretty strong just to kind of, you know, buy yourself another turn, be able to get potentially a knockout on a, on a big Pokemon, whether it's a, a V-Star or a V-Max, just because they, they can't retreat. There's nothing they can really do. Yeah, not a lot of decks right now really play that many uh, switching cards. I think the deck that plays the most amount of switches right now is probably something like Mew VMAX that has like, you know, four switch outs, usually two ropes, two switch. But because you play a heavy count of Path to the Peak, sometimes you can go Marnie or Roxanne Path, and that can be sometimes enough to beat a Mew deck. And sometimes it's using Marnie plus Coco in general is just really good. Putting your opponent down to four cards in their hand and paralyzing them can be pretty tough to get out of. Right, and I mean, really, most Mew decks are kind of cutting back to the three switches. Most of them have been doing the two switches, one escape rope. And uh, just with Mew having the free retreat, it's not usually needed as much. We don't really see that many decks that use paralysis. So I can definitely see how Tapu Koko can be a pretty strong pick for that as well. Yeah, definitely going into Worlds, it might be worth considering kind of taking you know some respect for coco because who knows it might end up you know doing well in worlds because people just don't come prepared for the paralysis and that can be pretty bad yeah keep an eye on those prizes make sure that uh 
you're not going to put yourself in a situation where you're going to get stuck there and potentially, you know, knocked out by the uh, the Coco V Max that kind of just swung out of nowhere. I do really like the Hisui and Decidueye though. Just you know, if you need to use the V Star ability, you can. If you hadn't used uh, Starbirth at the time yet. Um, just, you know, being able to draw up to eight cards in your hand is, is pretty good when you're in a little crunch there. Um, but that deck uses, uh, I guess, to transition into our type of, you know, engines discussion, that deck uses primarily the Bibral engine, right? Yeah, I think it had two, two Bibarel, and I think it played one Luminion, Luminion. but for the most part, Bibarel, right? How do you feel about the the Luminion Crobat situation? Because I feel like Luminion Luminion is strong, right? It, it, when you put it on your bench, you can search your deck up for any supporter and put it in your hand. However, what are we going to be doing about this Luminion if it becomes? I mean, is it worth it to put down to get that supporter if it if it can possibly be a, a boss target? I know it can be. It'd be nice to be able to use it, obviously, where, you know, to win the game to where, you know, you're not worried about stuff like that. But I can't tell you how many times at NAIC I started with that fish, right? I started yep. with that fish so much. It became a liability. Yeah. It became a liability. That fish lost me a lot of games. Yeah, Luminion and Crobat are very powerful Pokemon. Luminion is a really good Pokemon. Being able to get any supporter you want is insane because it basically turns Quick Ball and Ultra Ball into a supporter, which helps you when you have a bricky hand. And of course, Crobat being able to like draw extra cards sometimes is like playing two supporters in a turn almost. The problem is, is that, yeah, they are very easy boss targets. I've lost countless games because I've had a Crobat or a Luminion in play. And a lot of the time I just get bossed up. When I am building decks and I'm, you know, building single prize decks, I actually try to avoid putting Crobat or Luminion within my deck because a lot of the time I lose games because my opponent just go, boss crobat boss luminion and i've also won plenty of games because my opponent had a luminion or crobat in play that was a very easy boss, boss luminion target. boss crobat exactly i i really think the best deck to play luminion and crobat i think the best deck to play luminion right now is probably like palkia i think it's the best deck that can get away with playing a luminion in it um and then right. crobat yeah i think crobats other than if you're playing crobat v max with your in your deck like with arceus i think the best deck right now that uses crobat is the turbo dialga deck but because that deck is so aggressive and tries to like win really quickly and like deplete your opponent's board with like avery star chronos knockouts then you don't really have to worry about your opponent bossing a crobat up yeah and that speaking of palkia that is kind of the issue with these Pokemon and Palkia is that you're using them to get supporters and then you're just building up your bench for Palkia to be stronger. Exactly. This is one of the issues that I do have with some of these Pokemon is like, yeah, they're good, but not only are they good boss targets, but sometimes you're playing against Palkia, you have to bench a Pokemon to draw cards because you need one. You're basically just giving Palkia, you know, a plus free 20 damage, right? So. Right. Plus like, like we said, easy boss target there. And yeah, it's, it's starting with those supporters feels so bad right at least like in some mm -hmm. of the water decks you you do have the capability to put luminion back into your deck with the aqua with aqua return but once you start with it it's like well i have this two prize card that you know i already put in my deck to make room to help me and now it's like i'm starting with it and it's like it kind of just feels bad you know it feels bad when when you start with those kinds of cards especially when it's you can't help that, right? Like, you can't help what your starting hand is. Yep, 
Exactly. It, it feels so bad to like open up with a crowbat or a luminion. It feels good when your opponent does it, but when you do it, it just feels it really, feels really bad. It feels bad, man. It really does. Mm-hmm. And that's yep. kind of like, uh, we, we kind of started seeing more, I guess there wasn't really that many of them, I guess before, right? Like the, the single price supporter Pokemon, like the like the Snorlax Gormandies or the Celebrations Mew that we're seeing a lot more of now, especially in those turbo builds and you know, we all know about the Intellion line. We don't even really need to talk about that. Um, mm. The Beebrel engine that came out with Brilliant Stars. I mean, has are we seeing a lot more of these single price supporter Pokemon than we have in the past? Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I would say, like, the closest thing we've had to, like, a lot of draw engines in the format was probably, like, maybe during the 2016-2017 format. Um, we actually had Octillery with Abyssal Hand, which was the exact same thing as Bibarel. And I think Shaman EX was also in the format, which was obviously Crobat, but you can do it multiple times a turn. And I think it also had, um, yeah, I think it was just Shaman and Octillery. And I think there was like a few other like interesting little draw cards. But like I think Primate Wisdom, Oranguru was another one that we had in the format that a lot of people played. And then Tapu Lele came out, which was basically Luminion. Um, but having all these different options, like Inteleon, especially, like, these wildly different options where, like, each one is, like, unique. Like, the Inteleon engine is a very unique engine because Inteleon, not only can you attack with it in some scenarios, you also get access to a, you know, quick shooting. So you get, like, a plus three twenty every turn. But you also basically get any card you want with Inteleon. When you play down Drizzle, you can grab any card effectively. You can, you know, play Energy Search, grab an Energy. You can grab a Supporter. You can grab a an Item card. You can grab a Pokemon with, you know, a Ball Search card. So the Italian engine is just a really unique engine that we've never really seen in the meta before. And then obviously having the Barrel, which is just like a super safe engine. It's a really nice little draw engine. Is it as good as Inteleon? No. But is it as risky as having a Crobat in play? Also, no. Right, yeah. And I, I do really like the B-Roll engine. I just think... I think most people's issue with it um, sometimes can be just the fact that it's a stage one Pokemon, but you know it's usually not that difficult to get started. And I really like that those abilities stack. I mean, you can use multiple multiple industrious incisors per turn, which is of course very helpful, more consistent. It it really helps with Marnie. It really helps with Roxanne. You're not stuck in, uh, wow, I really hope I draw a level ball or a Drizz or, you know, my Shady Dealing Inteleon. It's, hey, I'm, you know, reducing my hand size down, but I know that I'm going to be able to draw some cards. So that's kind of what I, why I like the B-Roll engine a little bit more at the moment. It's just I have that Marnie path or Roxanne path can be a nightmare sometimes. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of a barrel. A lot of the time when I'm building decks right now, I'm just throwing a two-tube barrel in my decks because it doesn't eat up a lot of space. It doesn't have like a bad two-prize liability on your bench. And it's a pretty good draw engine against Marnie and against Roxanne. And also with having cards like Ultra Ball and Quick Ball in the format, it does make it pretty easy to like use the barrel every turn and sometimes even draw you like four or five cards a turn when there's so many, you know, ways to discard cards from your hand at the moment in the format so barrel is definitely my favorite engine but there's also obviously something like the mew engine which is pretty good and the mew engine of course kind of caught a little bit more popularity uh i would say when uh, natalie miller kind of popularized it in those turbo decks yeah so like turbo 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 what is it what does it mean what does it mean for a deck to be turbo 
basically it just means that it's trying to draw as many cards in a turn these turbo engines have cards like greninja they got trekking shoes they got the mew they got the crowbat line usually like playing two to three crowbats sometimes in their decks to just make sure they're constantly playing crowbat and when you combine mew with cards like switch and scoop up net you're able to use mew's ability multiple times in a turn and this is how the turbo dialga deck has become so successful is because of mew's ability allowing you to just dig through your deck really fast grabbing you those metal saucers grabbing you those pokemon search cards when you need them and it makes it a really powerful engine now the mew engine is very reminiscent of the stellar wish jirachi it's not as good as jirachi jirachi got you any trainer card which was fantastic but Mew does have the ability to grab item cards, and it's still pretty good right now. As as we know, there are just so many items in the meta right now that it's really a just a really good ability to have when there's just like so many different items you can grab, like Trekking Shoes and Scoop Up Net, and obviously Ultra Ball and Quick Ball. And it's one of the reasons why decks like Dialga and even the Palkia deck for that short brief period where it was good saw a lot of play. Right, and like you said, with um, like we were talking about Luminion earlier, sometimes you know a quick ball can turn into a Luminion, which can turn into a supporter. So that's with uh, Poke Gear. You know, I know a lot of those decks are running Energy Search, so sometimes that could turn into an Energy. It can can turn into a supporter. So I know that the Turbo Dex is is definitely is definitely I feel like can possibly be more consistent. Maybe. Yeah, honestly, sometimes. you know I mean, what? One thing that I thought of with Turbo Dex, you know what they remind me of a lot the Mew engine. You know how Mew can draw through a billion cards in a turn? That's essentially what the Mew engine basically does. It's the same thing. You basically are able to see through a good majority of your deck in just a single turn. And that is kind of like the downfall of some of these Inteleon decks is that like one out of three games with an Inteleon engine, you have a terrible opening hand, right? Like you have an opening hand that has all these cool things that would be so much better if you had Sobbles out. So like you could actually search for cards and get, you know, get your turn started. But sometimes just, sometimes just those Inteleon engine decks can just really, really be frustrating, have really frustrating opening hands. And, but even, even stuff like Avery is pretty good against these Turbo decks too, because you could just throw those Crobats in the discard pile and kind of get rid of those liabilities or like Collapse Stadium and kind of throw that, you know, Crobat in the discard pile and, so it's, it's kind of an interesting way to uh, go about the card game. Yeah, I agree. The Turbo Engine is really cool. And I, I, I don't know if there's going to be any other big Turbo decks that will pop up anytime soon. I know Turbo Gengar saw like a little bit of a brief, you know, blip of popularity. I tried it out personally. Um, and also I know I've tested out a few different Turbo decks before myself. I've tried out weird decks like Turbo Duraludon VMAX. But I, it seems like the only good Turbo deck that really is able to like win games is mostly the Dialga deck. And that's just because Star Kronos is just really good. Yeah, um, but buy I buy yourself I think, another turn. Exactly. And I, I do think the turbo engine is probably going to be good. I mean, going into the rotation, the turbo engine does keep a lot of its stuff. It will be losing stuff like Scoop Up Net and Air Balloon, but I think Switch is still going to be around. And obviously Radiant Greninja and Trekking Shoes are still going to be here. So there's still a potential for the Mew kind of Trekking Shoes Greninja turbo engine to stick around even during rotation. Right, absolutely. And uh, do you think Pumpkaboo is essential in these turbo decks? Because I feel like a lot of them do rely on Path to the Peak to be able to draw those cards, like those Radiant, uh, that Radiant Greninja and, you know, Crobat, Luminion. So I feel like Pumpkaboo is kind of essential. 
I agree. Um, I've won many games against Turbo decks. A lot of the time when I beat a Turbo deck, it's because I put a Path of Peak in play, and they have, like, maybe one training court in their deck, and because I pathed them, they were unable to play the game, and I basically just took over the match and just uh, dominated them, and I've won countless games against Turbo Dialga because of that, because Path to Peak is really good. I do think Turbo decks have to play at least a Pumpkaboo, because you can still use it with ScubaNet, as you're already playing like four of them already for the Mew and for the Greninja, so you might as well try the Pumpkaboo out, because you will lose to Path a lot of the time. Something else I want to talk about is kind of like the control style deck, so shout out to PJ. PJ is the manager of the Shuffle Squad. PJ loves himself some control, right? I, on the other hand, I really don't like playing control because I feel like I am making the game not fun for my opponent. So like essentially control decks are just making it to where like your opponent just can't play the game, right? Exactly. Yep. They, yeah, they're not saw fun a to lot play of against. That. Yeah, we saw a lot of that with Sander, and I know Sander is kind of, you know, notorious for his control decks. Um, but that Mewtwo V Union control with the mill tank, I mean, just kind of like making it to where you make the opponent's deck not work. I can see how it can be like cool and overpowering, but like I would be sitting there like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. So sorry, you can't play, sorry. Sorry. Yeah, if I was playing a deck like Mewtwo Control IRL, I'd feel so bad for my opponent just sitting there going Mewtwo every turn, just sitting there with like a mill tank in my active spot and they can't do anything. It would be, it would not be a fun experience for my opponent. I would also feel pretty bad. And I think that deck uses the Snorlax Gormandize engine kind of for its uh, turbo like engine. Yeah, able to draw what, up to seven cards. Uh, your turn ends, however, and, you know, as long as uh, Snorlax is in the active, draw up to those seven cards. Uh, this is definitely something that I feel like not really. Uh, I know we saw it a lot in the um, the Urshifu list that was running around the uh, the deck that had like a one of of everything. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But yeah, it's the 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 control style. I feel like there aren't really that many control decks right now. Um, I mean, we have that Mewtwo V Union Mill Tank deck, and I would even argue that Arceus and Talion is is can kind of be. A little control like with uh, you know using the Charon's care over and over again and just not being able to actually like one shot the Arceus most of the time I feel like it can be a, kind of a control style sometimes yeah I agree arc intel is hard to beat when you can't do you know 310 plus damage a lot of the time you just lose because they're just going to go shady dealings for Charon's care and then basically just loop it over and over again and it can be basically like a control deck yeah i mean we've seen like those type of kind of like stally control decks before like there's been like multiple like wall decks in the past with like way back in the day there was like a hoopa that was the same thing as mill tank there was like cards like reggie gigas which was really bulky and that deck abused cards like acerola and of course there's the infamous waylord ex stall deck from 2015 which kind of did a similar thing where it just did its thing in the active spot and every time it got hit you would just use AZ or Max Potion and just fully heal all the damage you try to do to it, making it like impossible to KO because they're constantly healing it over and over again. And Arc Intel does a similar thing, but what makes it worse is that it actually can attack you also and put pressure on. Right. So that's why I feel like Arc Intel is is still one of the best decks in the meta right now. And you know, it's it it really can be to the point where if you're not one shotting the uh, V Star, it kind of almost feels pointless because you know they're gonna Charon's care. So, which is why yeah. I actually really like having Zigzagoon in my Palkia list, you know, just to kind of put pressure on that Arceus, like, hey, I'm going to put 10, 10 damage on you. Like, is it, are you going to waste a Charon's Care for that 10 damage? Because I can potentially knock out your V-Star, but are you going to use one of your Charon's Care 
right now to heal that 10 damage and it's it's kind of an interesting little way to put some awkward pressure on that Arceus, Arceus. Yeah, I agree. I think Arc Intel is pretty hard to stop. And the fact is it doesn't even have a weakness because they'll just play Dunsparce in the deck. And even if you knock out the Dunsparce, they'll just probably go Shady Dealings for Orne Rod and get the Dunsparce back in the deck. So when you're dealing with a 310 HP Pokemon that builds up the Pokemon on the bench and has essentially no weakness, it is very hard to beat. And it is one of the things that does make Arc Intel so good. And um, if you don't have a way to want to KO them, yeah, that matchup is bad. But even then, there are other counters. Of course, something like the Jolteon Memory Capsule Engine is still, you know, pretty good right now as it shuts off, you know, Drizzle and Inteleon. And a lot of the time, you know, Jolteon can shut off Arceus. And if they're unable to, you know, sh you know shut off the Inteleon Engine Arceus, and obviously when they can't do Shade Dealings for, you know, Charon's Care, they have to find the Charon's Care. And if they don't have it, that Arceus is going to get KO'd in a two-shot. Right, and those decks typically run a pretty lower count of supporters, considering they can just search for them whenever they want. They're not relying on that consistent draw support. So I feel like if um, the decks with the Bibrol engine typically have to run a little bit higher supporter count because you're you're you know betting on drawing into them rather than just being able to search for them. Exactly. You know what's another draw engine that um, we haven't seen in a long time, and it actually kind of lends itself to like some control decks, and that's actually the Sinchino draw engine. That's something that ah, I thought of. Is a like, good old make do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sinchino has uh, kind of fallen off the radar. Nobody really uses Sinchino anymore in their decks because I guess obviously Inteleon and even Bibarel are better. But Sinchino can be pretty good sometimes because, you know, there's decks out there that play like a very limited copy of like Marnie or they don't play any Marnie at all. And Sinchino, you can build up such a big hand. You can make do away a lot of your filler cards you don't need. And whenever I play a Sinchino deck, it feels really good to just sit there with like a a 12 card hand and like essentially like no way to stop me because I have 12 cards and I know the opponent either has like one Marnie or they don't play Marnie at all especially when you're playing in something like a Mew deck you're just kind of guaranteed to do whatever you want so it's interesting to see a Sinchino engine has fallen off um I don't know if it will rebound maybe one of the reasons why it fell off was because it's kind of like you need to set up multiple Sinchinos in order for it to flow well also the Sinchino engine is kind of weak to like Avery spam because a lot of the time you will fill your bench up to like you know you'll fill your entire bench up at least having three Sinchinos in play which can obviously eat into something like an Avery yeah I definitely agree and I know um trade is similar with the uh that what is that the purloin Zork leopard GX. the leopard oh leopard I thought you were talking Leop about Zork GX leopard right? leopard leopard yeah yeah, I know in like the, the difference with that, with the, the Leopard being 100 hit points, it's not level ball searchable. So these are just kind of some things to think about when you're building decks. And something that I'm definitely a lot more interested in now, like trying to get more into like the deck building side of things and you know, just trying to see like what type of engines are out there. And um, what about... What about mill decks? Like, because there's not... I know that like mill decks, like the Durant used to be... A lot more popular back in the day but i feel like it's something you'll might you might hit on the ladder once or twice and you kind of rage quit but i don't i don't think people like is durant actually kind of good right now i feel like it actually is kind of good and i feel like i mean it's, what do you think what are your I, what are your thoughts I, 
I think Durant's, like, kind of underrated, yeah. I mean, obviously, its best matchup would probably have to be Mew VMAX, and if Mew VMAX is going to start winning tournaments again and people are going to start playing him more, it could be Durant's season again. I think one thing that Durant actually did gain with the brand new set, of course, is mill tank. I mean, a lot of the time, you can actually mill your opponent quite efficiently with Durian, and sometimes you actually can mill away a lot of their resources and ways that they can kind of deal with your mill tank. And you can actually put you know, mill tank into play in a Durant mill deck. And even if you're not going to try to mill them out with Durant, having a mill tank in play a lot of the time can win you a game. And um, I think mill tank's a really cool card that Durant decks can start to play. Um, I know that Durant decks in the past used to sometimes play like the Sinchino engine. Um, I think nowadays, I think most Durant lists are just kind of going to play more like Gormandai Snorlax. And then they'll probably play like a really heavy supporter account like with Cynthia's Ambition, Bruno research and stuff like that to just draw as many cards as they can in a turn. The deck has, you know, double turbo and twin energy, which are good upgrades too. Now you have eight energy in total. And on top of that, you can also um, use Rescue Carrier, which is really good as a way to recover your Durant. So yeah, Durant could be like a sleeper deck for Worlds. It's possible that it could be good. Yeah, I mean, that is one of, I mean, I know that they just, they did, there's another one that's not Durant, right? Is it like a Senta Scorch, like a single price Senta Scorch? Yeah, that's more, I would say that's more of a meme deck, though. The deck is all about going Blastoise and then Charizard and then you mill like a bunch of cards in a turn. I don't think that deck is act, actually like super good, but that is another mill deck that is out there. Another one, one of my favorites, <laughs> Gyarados Mill, but that's I don't know not. that one. <laughs> I played that deck a bit on my live stream, and it's it's hilarious. Um, it's basically you flip a coin until you get tails. For each heads, discard the top two cards of your deck. Sometimes that ability, like our attack, can just go off, and you can mill like ten cards in a turn. And sometimes you get double tails off of a Glimwood Tango reflip. But those are kind of like the three main mill cards right now that are in the format. Um, Mill's just kind of in a weird spot because Mill struggles to like keep up in matches. Sometimes your opponent can just play really well and counter the Mill deck. They can draw really well and they don't have to really draw through their deck. You know, a good Mill player can obviously, you know, deal with that. But, you know, anyone, I think anyone who's really good at dealing with a Mill deck can probably just play around it. Um, some people will make the mistake of like playing researches and stuff during their turn when they're against a Mill deck. Unless you, you know, absolutely have to play that professor's research, you kind of just play into the, you know, the Mill strategy. Um, but I do think Durant Mill is maybe the best Mill deck right now. And I think stuff like Mill Tank and obviously Yellhorn is really good in the deck too. And uh, I think Mill, Mill Tank. It's in the name, Mill <laughs> Tank. I'll leave, I'll leave, I'll leave. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though, it's true. Uh, yeah, I think Mill Tank is a great upgrade for any Mill deck, honestly. Because again, if you're able to mill away their like attacking options to deal with Mill Tank, Mill Tank can just like go into play and you win the game, which is kind of insane. Right, and I think that that's something that a lot of people don't really think of. I mean, I think the top players definitely do, but and I feel like being more of a rogue person as yourself, you you know what like majority of the cards do. So you know, like when, I know when we were talking about the tournament of champions or when we were casting, like you already knew, like Coco, you're like, oh, we like we could do the paralyze. I'm like, yeah. type of Coco can paralyze, and like that's not something that like people would know on the regular basis I feel like and it's just really knowing all these different cards and knowing like what they can do and how to play around them is obviously one uh, one of the ways to be really good at the game is knowing what even if it's something silly like a little mill deck you're like oh, okay you know let's play around this mill deck 
Yeah, exactly. I think having a knowledge of the card pool is really important. And I, I do think that Worlds, we will see somebody play something that like we've never would have seen when seen coming. And I think like obviously Sander playing that Mewtwo control deck and just, you know, doing so well with it and basically creating one of the best decks in the format with a Mewtwo V Union is kind of insane. And I think something like that will happen at Worlds where somebody is going to bring something that nobody really knows what the heck the card does. And you're going to play against it and you're going to be like, uh, can I see what that card does? And then you're going to look at it and be like, okay, what, like, and I think that, you know, that can be a really good play for Worlds, is just playing a card that nobody knows what it does, and it catches people off guard. Um, yeah, because sure. then, the, the, you know, the, they've been preparing for all these different matchups, and, like, they have to, like, think of how to, you know, figure out that matchup on the fly can definitely be a challenge, and speaking of the Mewtwo V Union, um, and something else we saw in the Tournament of Champions, and something that's kind of been popping up the last couple of weeks, really, is just out of nowhere, RCS Mewtwo V Union, um, hello? Yeah, it's a pretty crazy deck. It kind of reminds me of like Arceus Duraludon in a way where it's basically like you're just putting this big Pokemon in play. You don't play any other Pokemon but Arceus and this, you know, V Pokemon. And it's a pretty good deck against something like Palkia where you're not putting Pokemon on your bench. So Palkia's damage output is extremely limited. And Mewtwo is a very strong card. It has a lot of different ways that it can work. And obviously we know that it's already seen play as a control deck. So the fact that you know, you can use it in the Arceus deck. Sometimes you can win games by just spamming that heal attack over and over again, even in the Arceus deck. And you even have an attack that could do 300 damage, which is one of the rare ways right now you can actually take out Arc Intel. Right, and especially with um, the Cyxplosion spreading the 16 damage counters. What? Because it gets around Manaphy. Like, Manaphy who? You can just spread them out, knock out some single prizers, and, you know, heal the next turn, and then just knock out... Like... Mewtwo, I'm so glad that Mewtwo V Union is finally getting some play. And I feel like people are getting inspired because I've been seeing a lot of crazy stuff on the ladder. Lots of V Unions. I even played against... <laughs> I played against an Arceus Mewtwo V Union, Pikachu V Union in a tournament the other night. Huh. That is spicy. I mean, yeah. Spicy indeed. <laughs> Yeah, I think V Union's kind of like, I, I feel like over time they kept getting better. Like, I remember when they came out last year, um, they came out, I think, in between Evolving Skies and Celebrations. Yeah, like, when they came they out. They just weren't it. Ultra Ball wasn't even out yet. No, Ultra Ball was now. We didn't have Adventures Discovery. We had, you know, stuff like Peonia and like Familiar Bell. And I think like Cinchino was like some of the ways you tried to make it work. But kind of yeah. over time, V Unions have been getting better. I mean, Adventures Discovery was a great upgrade to V Unions with Fusion Strike. Obviously, Ultra Ball and Arceus V Star honestly could have been like the final kind of icing on the cake that they needed to finally be good. And um, I've, I think I've revisited most of the V-Union since, you know, Brilliant Stars has come out. And I can say that, yeah, something like Arceus V-Star does make them pretty good. And then Ultra Ball and then Adventures Discovery. Um, so it is exciting to see them. And the fact is, they are very powerful cards. Um, I think Mewtwo is probably the best one. Obviously, that Pikachu V-Union you just talked about. Really cool card. It does item lock the opponent. And it's a Lightning-type Pokemon, which is, of course, really, really good against you know, Palkia V-Star right now. So that's a really kind of, that's a really cool, like, anti-meta double V-Union deck. And I think even we've seen, like, Tord popularize this, like, Greninja V-Union, Mewtwo V-Union deck, like, last format. So V-Unions are definitely, like, I wouldn't say they're underrated because at the end of the day, they are hard to put into play. You can play that Arceus Mewtwo deck into a tournament and you could have, like, maybe one game where all four pieces are in your deck. And sometimes you don't even Peonia for them and it's just, like, it feels so bad. But when you have all four pieces in your deck and your deck runs hot, it feels really, really good. 
Yeah, I mean, once you get that Me Too v. Union set up, I, I don't really see a way it can lose. It's, it's a very strong card. Yeah, with a lot of the top decks right now not being able to kind of keep up with a card like that, it definitely wins games, and it's scary to see. Like, when I was playing that Arceus Coco Decidui deck at League, I did play against my friend Drummer, who did play the Mewtwo Arceus deck, and I was terrified, because I'm like, how do I beat this? Even if I, like, get Coco set up, you know, your ability makes it so I can't paralyze you, and I have no attack that can do over 200 damage, so you can just sit there and heal every single turn, and I will never beat you. Um, Mewtwo is very, very scary, and it also kind of is like Mew, where it's like, there's no dark types right now that are popular, and that just makes it so Mewtwo almost has no weakness. Right, yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting card, and I'm excited to see if it does well at Worlds, and, you know, really excited to see what other kind of decks are going to do well at Worlds, so. Who knows, maybe we'll see a V-Union deck, like another V-Union deck do well at Worlds that isn't Mewtwo, maybe Greninja, <gasps> or Morpeko, or... Morpeko! Maybe even Zacian V Union, you never know. And there you have it, folks. I think that'll conclude today's podcast episode on the Shuffle Pod, talking about everything that we talked about. I think we got a little bit more knowledge about kind of the meta, and hopefully we got some more knowledge as to maybe what we could expect to see for the World Championships. I think this episode will be going up on the 11th of August, and Worlds will be that weekend on the 13th. So who knows? Maybe some of the predictions we made in this episode could come true at Worlds. Some of the things we talked about, it could happen. So keep your eye for that. And I'm excited to see what happens. But um, I think with that out of the way, um, yeah. Anything else you got to say, Lindsay? I just got to say, if you're headed to Worlds, first off, congratulations on getting your invite. That's so exciting. Something to celebrate. I love that for you. Safe travels to everybody. Um, be safe. <sighs> really, that's it. Have fun. Play, play some really great Pokemon cards. I can't wait to see how everybody does. I hope everyone has a really great time. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, sit back and watch Worlds uh, this weekend coming up because I know we saw, actually, they revealed the lineup of all the casters, and I'm excited. We got some amazing casters, of course, Puka, we got Omnipoke, we got Joe from Omnipoke, we got Wasi, PDCG Radio, even my boy Hexter made it to Worlds as a caster, so congrats to him and congrats to everybody who got chosen as a caster and everybody who, of course, got invited out to Worlds and will be competing in the World Championships and I'm excited to see what people bring to the table and what bring what decks do well at Worlds. And I'm excited to see who wins Worlds. So I'm excited to see it all unfold. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to see it all. So until next week, everybody, we'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And peace, peace. out.